welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Hey guys, just a couple updates before the episode. Cassie will not be heard um, until about 10 minutes in. For some reason, the audio didn't start recording until 10 minutes in. And I, I'm going to apologize a little bit for the drunkenness, but we had a great time. So don't hate too much. Enjoy. Welcome back, devotees. I'm back again with wine and punishment. We've had some more wine, not as much punishment. Some of us have had bourbon, so there we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> i mean i could have switched to bourbon but i stuck with wine but i daniel i have your favorite wine oh i got my vino verde uh, from portugal yes the lovely vino verde oh i love it so much oh, if you like a slightly sour wine it's got a nice little bite yep. not a chardonnay oh god no no <laughs> <laughs> it's true i hate chardonnay so bad like I will drink it if it's like still barrel Chardonnay, but an oak barrel, like you just lost me on that one. Like <laughs> even whenever you uh, lived here in Virginia and like we would go to wineries, you're like, taste this Chardonnay. And I'm just like, I hate it. It's made with, you know, the oak barrel. Like, no, Cassie. Oh, uh, I just want to go wine tasting now. Oh, uh, I'll just go to Jungle Gyms <laughs> and just do quarter shots of wine. It's fine. We have wineries there <laughs> where you can walk around drinking. So, oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So my topic is Elliot Ness. Have you guys ever heard of him? The name is sort of familiar, but I'm not going to say I know it. So please tell us about Elliot Ness. I'm very sad because I did try to get Great Lakes Brewery Elliot Ness uh, beer, but Cincinnati hates me on this and I couldn't find it. <laughs> I went to three stores. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so most people will know Elliot Ness as the man who took down Capone. Oh. Also, but that's not where I thought I knew the name, so there we go. <laughs> probably from the beer or from the Untouchables movie, but still. Maybe. Maybe. Who's to say? <laughs> He's a national treasure. We should all treasure him. Mm. Just look at him. Yes. Yes. So... <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to down this bottle and walk out of the room now. Thank you very much. I feel like that's a typical Friday for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elliot Ness was born in 1902 to a Nor Norwegian immigrant couple. That's the wine talking. Uh, Peter and Emma Ness. Peter and Emma. Okay, got it. They came from an ear... <laughs> God, too much wine. <laughs> there, There is never too much wine. If you are slurring, trust me, by the time I tell my cases, I am like slurring all over the place. And I'm just like, and Cassie's like, do you mean Alabama? And I'm like, yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> that seems accurate for Alabama. Let's not lie. It's true. Uh, it's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his parents came from an area near Stavangaria, Norway, Peter Ness grew up in poor conditions, uh, losing both of his parents at age 14. Ooh. They both immigrated to America and married in Chicago April 2nd, 1886. You know what they probably had? Chicago dogs, which are very fantastic. You know the hot dogs? like mm -hmm. No mustard. No mustard. No mustard, but they've got that relish on it. Ugh, no mustard. They owned a bakery, which is in line with this podcast. <laughs> yep. 
And it did very well. They had five children, Clara, Elfie, Nina, Charles, and then Elliot, the young. Oh, they're always trouble. So he had a 10-year age gap between the youngest child and him. Ooh. So AK. He was in... Exactly. <laughs> he was an accident. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oops. I don't plan my jokes. They just happen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was an oops. <laughs> Every family has an oops baby in that generation. He grew up with his nieces and nephews going to school, and he took school very seriously, and he dressed nicer than most children, because he's important. You know, it can go either way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's an avid reader and was fond of Sherlock Holmes, who isn't. He graduated from Fenger High School on the south side of Chicago and worked in the Pullman plant before going to college at the University of Chicago. Another prestigious alum for the University of Chicago. Oh, he he made rail cars in Pullman. Like, yay. Yay. I have Pullman uh, rail car blankets. Really? I'm sorry. Like, this is an MPS site. So I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's one of our newest ones. <laughs> <laughs> rail cars. You guys all missed the 30 minutes of Daniel and I talking history <laughs> shops. So... <laughs> That was a rarity for you. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1925, he earned his diploma in political science, commerce, and business administration. What a triad. Yeah. He placed in the top 10% of his graduating class. And from 1925 to 27, he served as an investigator for the retail credit company in Chicago. So, you know, people bounce in on their credit. Yeah. So, so what was the main store in like Chicago at that time? Department store. I oh, I'm not sure. I've been there several times. It's a Macy's now, but what was it before? Uh, Marshall Fields. Marshall Fields. Oh, okay. Yeah. The large atrium. Like the ceiling is fantastic. Like you go and you just look up. Yeah, you go and you look up and you're like, it's wonderful. Anyways, sorry. Continue <laughs> your story as my sidetrack just goes on. <laughs> So Elliot got bored and he was like, I want more exciting work. So he returns to university for a postgraduate course with August Fulmer. And at that point, his oldest brother-in-law, because remember, he's an oops baby. So all his siblings are older than him. and They're already married. Mm-hmm. Jamie or Alexander Jamie worked for the Prohibition Bureau because, you know, no booze at this time. And I think we should all take a drink in honor for Prohibition. Done. There we go. Boo prohibition. I like my boos. <laughs> Agreed. Brought Nesson as an agent for the U.S. Treasury Department. So he worked there for a couple of years. And in 1928, he was transferred from the Justice Department to work for the Prohibition Bureau. Can I just say I don't like him because he's anti-alcohol? Like, he's a square. Like, uh, of course he's going to commit murder at this point. <laughs> he's a square? But he's a square for the right reasons. He's like, if it's not illegal, I don't care. Okay. So if it was, if prohibition wasn't happening, he wouldn't do it. He's just like, I'm bored. So let's go. Fair, but you know, I like my wine. <laughs> I like my booze, my <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> Me too. So his uh, brother-in-law would eventually become the head of Chicago's department of the FBI. He uh, Ness begins a task force, which then gets assigned to close down the bootlegging operations of Al Capone. Ooh. Al Capone. Yes. So, 
interjection here. So whenever I visited my mom at one point, there was a lake resort that Al Capone frequented and she took me there. Like this, I don't remember the name of the lake resort, but anyways, we went there in Florida and I was just like, oh, this is very interesting. And apparently there was like a tunnel that would go from the hotel to the lake so Al Capone could like go to his boat and escape. Like, yeah, Winter Haven, Winter (sighs) Garden, something like that. Winter Green. I don't remember. Oh, Al Capone, such an interesting human being. (sighs) I'm pretty sure he also died of syphilitic like dementia. So. Could not keep it in his pants. <laughs> I mean, who could? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want booze? Fuck Al Capone. So Ness handpicked 10 men from around the country, nicknamed the Untouchables, a la the movie, because they wouldn't take mm. a bribe. Uh. This is because the 18th Amendment, which outlawed the consumption of alcohol, also the production, spurred a growth of organized crime where bootleggers made their fortunes illegally selling alcohol, including my favorite Canadian club. That's how it got popular is because they would bring it across the border. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like they would ship it in across Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So there's over 3,000 police officers and agents, and Chicago's authorities were rarely able to convict bootleggers. Members of law enforcement protected many crime bosses and were, had bribery, corruption, schemes that really had became made Chicago one of the most crime-ridden cities in the United States in the 1920s. Also, Ness believed that having a small circle of investigators would remain free of corruption. You know, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. So, you know, keep that circle real tight. You know, loose lips sink ships. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they managed to conduct multiple public raids and alert the media to them in order to increase pressure on Capone. So they're the people who are like, they'll tell the newspapers like 20 minutes before they're like, we're going to raid Capone, meet us here. And then they raid Capone and they got their photographs and they're like, oh, you got out Capone's bows, do you? I'm not good at 20 exact <laughs> It's all good. It's why I just, <laughs> it's why everything is in a drawn out Southern accent. Whenever I record, even if it's an English person, like I just go with what I've got. Like it's true. <laughs> We've also been drinking alcohol. guys. That's right. So everything sounds great. Also. <laughs> We're on like hour six of this. So don't judge. <laughs> it's not actually hour six, but it's hour a lot. True. So um, Capone reportedly this is not confirmed, offered Ness $2,000 a week in the 1920s to turn the other way and curtail the raids. But Ness is like, hell no, nah, bro. No, no, because <laughs> Ness has values, apparently. Like, mm-hmm. no, no. Mm-hmm. Conviction. So Capone turns to the other untouchables, harassing them and their families, which, low bro, low. No, you don't go after someone's family. No. 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 Not cool. Not cool. But it's the mob, so... Ugh. As written in Douglas Perry's Elliot Ness, the rise and fall of an American hero, quote, the mob stole their cars and abandoned them miles away. It spread rumors about them, called them, it called the Prohibition Bureau office and threatened whoever answered the phone. Gangsters began curtailing agents and hanging outside their homes. I remember twice Ness and I drove fast to my apartment when my wife reported hoods were outside and she was scared, end quote. So they're they're really doing intimidation tactics. Yeah. I mean, we're not cool with that. Like, yes, they're law enforcement, but don't harass them like that. Like, God, no. You're just providing more evidence. Exactly. (laughs) Like, if you're not guilty, you wouldn't be doing anything. It's true. 
Just saying. Not going to deny it. In a six-month period, the Untouchables had gathered enough evidence to indict Capone and his associates on 5,000 prohibition-related offenses. What? 5,000. What? Say that number one more time. 5,000. 5,000. So that's, that's three zeros. Yes. Five Zeros. I panicked for a second and I thought maybe I said two, which would have been wrong. <laughs> but that's still a lot of like charges at that point. That's so many. Mm-hmm. 5,000. Yes. Wow. But remember, it's prohibition. People don't like it because they like to drink as we are all drinking. <laughs> I was about to say, as we're all drinking right now. It's quite fun. You guys should do it if you're not. Yeah. If you're 21. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank yes. You. Or if your parents say it's okay. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> that is a mom and dad, not us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk to your parents. Yeah. Capone was instead found guilty on tax evasion because fuck those who evade taxes. And was fuck you, Wesley to Snipes. Years- Sorry. <laughs> fuck you, Jimmy Carter. <gasps> Wait, our former president, James Carter? Jimmy no. Carr. Jimmy Carr is a British comedian. <laughs> Not James Not Jimmy Carter. Carter. <laughs> yes. I do appreciate Capone. that clarification because that was for me. <laughs> it was for Cassie's enlightenment right yep. there. <laughs> just for me, everyone. Just for me. Capone was sentenced to 11 years at Alcatraz where he sees some fucked up shit and loses his mind with the syphilis. But yeah. that's another. Yeah. Uh, so were the untouchables untouchable? No. No, they were not untouchable. No. no, no. Some of them did take bribes. While the last member, Albert Wolf, was the last surviving member of the Untouchables, he passed away in Mason, Ohio, which is north of Cincinnati, at the age of ninety-five in nineteen ninety-eight. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So pretty recently, I was uh, six. In case you're wondering, <laughs> ninety-five. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. Ninety-eight. Oh. Ninety-eight. Oh. Yep, that that math makes more sense now that not, you've clarified. Not when you were six, Cassie. Because <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I felt like I was so much older than you. Yep, yep, now it makes sense. Yes. Oh, it's fine. My brother's 30. It's cool. I'm 32. <laughs> I I turn 30 tomorrow, literally. So there we go. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so Ness married in 1929 you know when the crash happened <laughs> the big crash got it yeah <laughs> the big one you know when the you know when you look at the economy chart and it looks like a downward mountain when you're like that doesn't look good no because it wasn't that point that, that year to edna stanley of chicago she had firm, formerly worked in the office of Alexander James as a stenographer, aka his brother-in-law. Oh, oh, okay, got it, got it. Family connections. They were family connections. That's how they met. He was fucking the the secretary, like, like you do, like you do. It's the thirties. Yep. So it was 1932 when Elliot Ness was informed that one of the Chicago agents in the Untouchables, Barney Clune was actually bribed on several occasions by Capone. Ness, who was devastated, decided not to take the act take any action for fear that it would destroy the reputation that his team enjoyed. So he's like, it hurts me, but I'm not telling anyone because we need to keep this image up. They have to be untouchable above, rep- you know, reproach. Got it. Mm-hmm. In 1933, when Prohibition was repealed, Ness was assigned to the Cincinnati 
Hey. Enforcement Division of the Treasury <laughs> Department. Alcohol Tax Unit. Hey, I, you know, I know someone who's in Cincinnati. It's me. Um, <laughs> I know someone. It's me. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1934, he then transferred to Cleveland. My hometown. <laughs> I haven't been to Cleveland, so I really don't have an opinion on that one. But okay. I was say, the, only, the only thing I know of Cleveland is the Drew Carey show. I'm so sorry to see that. <laughs> that is the most okayest thing you can say really? about Cleveland. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> if, if you, I joke, Cleveland is so Midwest until you insult us and then we're New England. Oh, oh. that's very specific. Yeah, we get very hostile. I respect that. Fair. In 1930, uh, yeah, transferred to Cleveland. It's so he has 30 men under his command. The plate dealer in September of 1934 featured a story about Ness written by Charles Lawrence, where his headline, Gays here face Capone Waterloo. And I'm like, I love the analogy, but I doubt it. <laughs> but, was, but was ABBA playing in the background is my question, you know, singing Waterloo. Like, that's the question there. Yeah. Yeah, no, because it hadn't been written. Oh, yet. bummer. <laughs> so at this point in December 1935, 33 year old Ness, so guys, remember, 33, was sworn in to serve as Cleveland's youngest ever safety director. So he's directing our safety. <laughs> so what does one do when they're a safety director, is my question. Oh, we'll get to it. He, he makes the city safe. Okay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> what does one do to make the city safe? <laughs> so the plain dealer headline facts first, then talk, says Ness. The article reported that Ness, quote, considers his first duty to be one of fact finding and that he intended to be as conservative as possible until he is fully informed on the certain trends and conditions in the police and fire departments, especially the police, end quote. So basically, he's trying to figure out the lay of the land and he's going to adjust place of fire to make them the most efficient and most successful in the nation. Okay. Got it. Efficiency. Efficiency. He's known as the Boy Scout or College Cop. A college Cop? Yeah. As an article in the Current History magazine shared, quote, he has a dimple, a dimple chin, a round face, parts his hair down the middle, and blushes easily. His voice is mild, his manners, and his manners hesitant. He keeps a cat, hates to be out late at night, likes to walk around the house in his stock, stocking feet, sits on the floor for complete re- relaxation, end quote. So basically, this portrays him as a normal human. But he sounds like a cat, like, <laughs> meow. He sounds like a cat. He sounds meow. feline. <laughs> he sounds very feline to me. <laughs> Walking around his stockings at night, <laughs> laying on the floor. Well, he's going to take on the underworld of Cleveland, which had been in cahoots with the police department. Oh. so Well, that's not very good for the police department if they're in cahoots with the underworld. Like, yeah, you can't do that, guys. You're not solving crime at that point. I feel like you're contributing yeah, to the crime. They're allowing the crime. Yes. Yes is like, uh, no, no, no. And he roots out protection scams and bribery. He had eight officers immediately indicted for bribery. Oh. He takes resignations as people realize, oh, fuck. <laughs> this doesn't happen. 
and he chooses new men to come in. Um, he specifically picks people who are college graduates. At this point, he settles into a cottage on Lake Erie in Bay Village, which is a suburb west of Cleveland. Uh, if you're familiar with the Sam Shepard case, that is the same <gasps> suburb. Oh, wow. Yes. Interesting. I'm very familiar with that case mm-hmm. um, and that area because I family lives there. Wow. So the cottage would was owned by Robert Champlain, a Cleveland lawyer who would eventually become assistant safety director, director for NASA. Even though Edna and Elliot weren't able to have children, friends said that they... Elliot would often play with Chamberlain's children um, and be content for hours doing, even though he would not come home rarely until 10 or 11 p.m., which, you know, when you're married, doesn't help. No. No, I feel like if you're going to have kids, like, you sort of need to be there to help in the process. (laughs) Well, you know, you kind of got to help raise them. Yeah, that's true. You got to help make them, help raise them. All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. (laughs) Push them in the strollers so, or the perambulators. Like, you got to do it, guys. <laughs> so the marriage dissolves. Elliot and Edna were divorced in January 1939, and she returns to Chicago, where she moved in with family. She never remarried and kept the name Ness. So she was always Edna Ness. And she ate her deep dish pizza to this very day. <laughs> <laughs> and her hot dogs. And her and hot dogs. With no mustard. No and mustard. she rode the Ferris wheel on the Navy Pier, damn it. <laughs> I've never done that. Um, in his first year as safety director, Elliot Ness did not uh, didn't take any time to become fully immersed in the job. He would routinely go down and work easy cases to show uh, officers. He would lead raids on gangsters, gamblers, vice barons, and all of that. And he was very successful. I like the title of vice baron. Can we make that a thing again? <laughs> that does sound great. Yeah. yeah. Cassie, you yeah. vice baron, you. <laughs> right? And then I do a hair flip. It's I'm like, into it. No, no. Back to Ness, our good old friend who hates, who who dislikes illegal grape diets. <laughs> That's true. We would not be friends with Ness. We would not be friends with Ness. So he's the chief of the federal alcohol, alcohol tax. Oh, God. That was a thing. <laughs> of course it was. For yeah, for Northern Ohio, not for Southern Ohio. So for people not familiar with Ohio, <laughs> Northern Ohio is Italians, Germans, and all that. It's a nice hodgepodge mix. Southern Ohio is a lot of Germans, a hell of a lot of Germans. So it's a lot of beer. Northern Ohio, <laughs> a lot more liquor. Get some Schlievovitz out and <gasps> have some shots. Schlievovitz, I've had that. Oh, have you? Oh. Oh, God, it will put you on your knees so quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh plum brandy oh so ness brings up his uh broom and his dustpan to cleveland with his characteristic chicago attitude he's like we're gonna clean this area of bribery and graft and institute a scientific rookie training school for policemen so he's like hey your police should be trained in a standard method you know like they should be. I mean, that should be standardized. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It really does. Murder is yeah. murder across <laughs> the police districts. Like True. Murder happens everywhere. Hey, how do you tell if it's murder? How do you tell if it's this? What is the standard procedure for this versus this? You know, 
what we like today. How do you s- like, secure a crime scene? Like, right. Wait, we're supposed to secure this show? Oh, Dana, yeah. can't let everyone come in here and see? And steal shit? <laughs> You know, that is my favorite. My favorite murder episode when they're like, "Yeah, they stole everything, including the raisins off the cake." And I'm like, <laughs> "No one wants raisins." It's literally the worst part of an oatmeal raisin cookie. The worst thing is when you think an oatmeal raisin cookie is a chocolate chip. Cookie. Oh my god! I literally yes, yes. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yes. Well, I'm just going to sit over here because some people like oatmeal raisin cookies. (laughs) So as well as establishing a police academy, he was like, hey, let's revise the traffic control system, which ended up cutting auto accidents in half. Mind you, 30s. It's the 30s. (laughs) These are metal death traps. (laughs) They also go like not very fast. I don't know how fast. I feel like red lights were just a suggestion. That's the problem. Yeah, like, didn't they, like, they were the old-timey cars. Like, that only happens on, um, oh, shit, what's that show? I just forgot. (laughs) Well, the first, I believe the first stoplight was in Cleveland. You're welcome. You know, makes sense if he's reforming everything. So, in his first 18 months in the job, the total crimes dropped 25%. Juvenile crimes dropped 80%, which also helped because he was like, hey, you want to join the Boy Scouts? So he was roping them into the Boy Scouts to, like, reduce crime? <laughs> Wouldn't you? That's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Arrests and convictions increased by approximately 20%. So basically, the people they did arrest and convict were actually guilty. So they're like, okay, we're going to get more people with that. He took on the mob. He sent two high-ranking mobsters. To the pen and the papers said, quote, Director Ness lifted fear from the hearts of the honest men. Cleveland is better, cleaner, and more wholesome place. A safer place in which to do business, end quote. All right, so he's making a mark on Cleveland is what I'm getting at right now. Like, he's making a difference. Why do you think we have a beer named after Well, fair enough. I mean, it's all coming together. I I was very confused at the, the setup. But now it's all just like, you know, coming together. And I love it. I understand mm-hmm. the beer now. I, I get it. I do. Now I want to drink that beer. Oh, I've drank it. It's good. And I'm just sad I don't have it now. Oh, okay. What kind of... I'll get it tomorrow. May I ask, what kind of beer is it? Is it an ale, an IPA? I believe it's a lager. <gasps> oh, it's a lager. I could see that. I could see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, let me double check. It's an amber lager. Oh, it's an amber lager. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like mm. it. Cassie's suddenly interested. <laughs> I mean, mention alcohol, my ears perk up. So, have you guys heard of the torso murders? Yes. 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 <laughs> our our good friend Elliot was actively involved in that. Oh, I didn't know that. How interesting. Yes. And this is also another podcast episode it would be episode 41 check out episode 41 cleveland proves itself yes yet again deaths yeah the torso murders so i'm gonna do a brief overhaul of the torso murders it's between 1935 and 38 a serial killer murdered dismembered at least 12 victims that we know of 12 of which were ever positively identified and i'm just gonna focus on the nest aspect of mm. it. so i'm not gonna go 
in depth on every murder because I've already done that. <laughs> so at this time, we have the Great Lakes Exposition and the National Rep- Republican Convention, which I've been there for the last one and I fled the city. Slated for, yeah. For 1936, on top of other smaller conventions and conferences. And it's really the time when people during the Depression were getting on their feet again. So they're like, mm. okay. The depression happened. Let's get on. Let's try to get people employed again. And this is all happening happening along Jackass Run. On uh, um, where? Sorry. <laughs> where was where, where that? <laughs> Jackass Run? Oh, that's, that's a real name. Jackass Run. <laughs> if I remembered any of the characters from the Jackass films, God, would I make jokes right now? But I don't, <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> Welcome to Cleveland. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> Jackass Road. <laughs> Run. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, 13 pr- people were brutally murdered over the course of four years, all of them decapitated, and most of the decapitations happened while they were still alive. So, if you wanted to feel horrified, go ahead and then. Go back to my other episode on the torso murders. <laughs> 41, guys. 41. 41. <laughs> 13 and 14 years. But yes. Um, <coughs> dr- safety director Elliot Ness was claimed to solve the crimes, but no suspect was identified and no one was brought to trial. So it's like, yes, he may have solved it, but it's wishy-washy, timey-wimey. Yeah, he didn't quite prove it. Mm. In a court of law, wishy-washy, timey-wimey doesn't quite hold up. Unless you're Time Lord, does it hold up? Exactly. So this is, it's really one of the unsolved murders of its time. <laughs> it's one of the most unsolved murders in Cleveland. And it still brings up this sentiment in the city of who did this, why. So let's get into it. Ness meets with the sergeant James Hogan and his newly appointed head of the homicide division and David Cowles, the head of the crime lab. So he's like, two people, you are the heads. Let's tell me everything. He wanted them to tell them the backgrounds of the murder and filling in where the newspapers had missed out. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yes. He had already spoken to the coroner. He'd mentioned four, possibly five decapitation murders going on as far back as 1934. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. The first case, The Lady of the Lake, is iffy. People debate whether or not it is actually the first murder or not. Fair. His veteran policeman was reluctant to voice too strong of opinion, kind of trying to suss out Ness, whether or not he agreed or disagreed with him. They had all been discovered within a day or two, the bodies, and there is a different pattern to the mutilation, except for the emasculation of Andrese and his companion. The bodies were whole from the neck down. So basically, they had been decapitated, but nothing had been mutilated anywhere else. So they're like, I don't know if this one agrees. Hmm. Gotcha. But it could have been a special case to where, like, it was, like, the middle crime to, like, try to cover it up. And there was special, it's like, true. anger towards a person. So, Or sometimes at the end, they change it a little bit. Like, yeah, ah, yeah. It's, a, it's a stretch, yeah. but maybe. Maybe it was the lead up to it. Like, they mm-hmm. were getting to that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. It's This case is so weird that it's hard to 
pinned down because it could be multiple or several murders or murders or one person just adapting. Mm. The two women, Florence Pantanillo, or the Lady of the Lake, had been dismembered as well as decapitated, and their bodies were not found in Kingsbury Run, which is where most of the bodies had been found up to that point. There was an issue of motive, and police science in the 1930s had been dictated to solve a murder that you had tracked down everyone who could possibly have known someone until you found means and opportunities. So it doesn't account for stranger murder. Right, right, which is what this one feels like, you know. Definitely. Like, there's nothing about the torso murder that screams stranger murder more than Ted Bundy. You know, you're like staring at it. You're like, I get you don't understand this at this point, but it feels that way. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The motives posed as double murder, whether it be jealousy, revenge, sexual deviation, AK, could be gay, have another, uh, you know, identification, etc. Because of the number of male victims. Mm. Ness thinks about this for a while before Hogan arrives. Cowell's convinced it was a single killer, but hadn't been able to get Hogan is like, hey, telling telling us, hey, this is a single killer. Hogan says, quote, Jim, you've got a real problem in your hand. Sorry, let me do that. <laughs> Hogan's quiet until Hess speaks, quote, Jim, you've got a real problem in your hands. The same guy did them all. Too much similar to be coincidental. Quit coincidental death by decapitation. The expert hands with a knife, bodies all cleaned up and neat. I can't tell you why he kills women one way and men another, but it's the same man. I can guarantee you, can guarantee you, end quote. So Ness is determined it's one person. He looks at all the bodies, all the evidence, and he's trying to bring this preliminary forensics that we have in the 1920s and the 1930s into the 20th century. And I know as a historian, it hurts me to say that, but he's trying to bring it up to the present and say, Based on my best knowledge, it doesn't seem to be more than one killer. It's one killer doing this and picking out men differently, women differently. Let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Hogan, the officer, knows better than to argue with Hess or Ness. Sorry. Um, Ness is basically this wonder boy. They're like, he took down Capone. What are we going to do? We can't deny him. In my case, I'm like, hey... If someone's wrong, fucking tell them they're wrong. Yeah. But that's me. (laughs) Ness is very clear in his instructions. He wants absolutely no suggestions to the newspapers that they were looking for one murderer, which is good. Because when you think about it, you're like, okay, he's trying to tell the newspapers and tell the murderer. Oh, we think it's two people, three people, whatever. So that way the killer's not tipped off right i mean it's strategic doing it that way mm-hmm. and especially because they have these conventions coming up we have the great lakes convention we have the national Re- republican convention coming so he's like i don't want to ruin this for cleveland because cleveland's been through enough <laughs> you missed i'm doing the vote I lo- oh that's so important oh yeah i'm i was doing it in support of you just for, right. for oh. the record who doesn't love my vote <laughs> Um, We've been doing it for at least three minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Voguing. Vogue. Love it. So (laughs) he puts, Ness puts the full 
crime lab at their disposal. I'm too drunk for the <laughs> disposal. We relate so hard. As I keep drinking wine. <laughs> um, Ness did not want to get more involved in this case because he is the safety director of the entire city. And what most people don't realize for the entire city, it's okay. You have Cleveland, you have East Cleveland, you have the entire Cuyahoga County. But as everyone knows, for the championship that came up for the Cleveland Cavaliers and all that, Cleveland means the eastern, western, and southern suburbs of Cleveland and everyone who's moved away because they've had to. So you talk about Cleveland, you're getting about a million plus people. Million probably. Fair, yeah. 1.5 million. Um, so you want to keep on your toes. It's a big deal, that number. It's kind of a big deal, yeah. <laughs> Let's transition back to <laughs> 1930s. Bring it back and a bit. Is, back a bit, not as depressing. So Elliot Ness was like, let's get the Republican convention off, off like to a good start. So he arranges security, and these are going great on top of protecting the Republican candidate, Alfred London. Have you heard of him? No. Nope. No. He's the governor of Kansas. Oh, that's why. To run. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie, I'm how do you so, really feel? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kansas. I'm so sorry. I'm a Missouri girl. That's where I side. Well, he's also running against Roosevelt. <gasps> oh, I do know that name. Yes, because he wins. <laughs> so, spoiler, Daniel. I'm just saying. <laughs> right after the Republican National Convention, we have the glamour. Of the Great Lakes Exposition, you know, like the World Exposition plus the Great Lakes. Oh. <laughs> Which is like the World's Fair plus an amusement park, because who doesn't love an amusement park? I mean, I love a good tilt-a-whirl. Thank you. I mean, if you throw some if Harry have... Potter in, I'm good. <laughs> so, Elianess is there as well with the Great Lakes Exposition being like, crime fighting let's let, let's try to find some of victims of the cleveland torso murder because yeah remember they didn't identify them all so when the fifth victim shows up elliness pulls himself away to get personally involved into this investigation he's like oh hell no there are five of them now we're past the three so serial killer range that has not been established yet Ooh. i'm gonna get all up in this shit <laughs> oh jeez, jeez! <laughs> i've had enough wine that i appreciate the wording of that so fun <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much let's not lie guys how much of this one is you have honey <laughs> Oh, Honey, you're you're done with that bottle. After my own heart, <laughs> that's amazing. A, that's normal podcast for us. Like that, this that is good episode material. Is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I normally drink bourbon, but I switched to wine. So Ness has been trying to bring together all the components while being, you know, that overarching eagle. Um, look up here. <clears throat> fly away. Fly. Fly. <laughs> so Ness looks at this and he's like, not pleased as many, you know, leaders are. And he's like, okay, I got to get my nose deep in this shit. 
I love it. Oh my god. It's my favorite. So, how 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 deep was it? That's a great question, Daniel. <laughs> that's what she said. I was gonna say, how much is she enjoying this? That'll answer the question. I'm sure she's enjoying this very much, <laughs> but I also ensure the Cleveland Torso murder is not enjoying. Uh Ness is like, let's redo this case. A la Criminal Minds. He's like, let's go ever over every detail, interviewing the detectives, the victims that are alive, the witnesses. And once we reach the sixth victim, he's like, oh no, we're throwing all the resources, you know, just throwing them all at this attempt to find the killer. Mm, Just throw them all. Throw them all. Daniel is trying to throw a basketball into a hoop. I I don't even know if I was doing that. I was like throwing (laughs) stuff that way. It it felt like you were trying to do like a three-pointer. It looked wow. like a doggy. It looked like a doggy paddle. <laughs> I swear to God, I didn't know. I I believe it. You made it. He did. He won the game. Good job. I did. I did. He- there is a brief lull where Elliot Ness and the police department and the the mayor are beginning to be like, okay, we got this. We got it under control. We're good. Oh, but hell no. February twenty third, nineteen thirty seven. You know, we get an upper portion of a the seventh victim found up washed on the beach of 156th street i need him right to the... stop making torsos out of people i mean everyone needs that <laughs> cassie that's just good life advice <laughs> no more torsos <laughs> you know if you're murdering someone torsos not the best best method like stop making people into torsos they need more than just their torso <laughs> they need their heads on top of those torsos <laughs> But think about, okay, so you've got a torso, no head, so that's an easy identification. <laughs> no hands, again, easy identification. That's true. I just, no I love the nonchalant way you said it. That was my favorite part. It's like reverse <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. You got no head. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, do you want some ice cream? You got no head. <laughs> Do you know that he has a band called the Lieutenant Dan Band? I did know that. I did. Do you know my brother? What? Yes, he literally does. My brother was a Marine. He was in Afghanistan. He saw them live. And it's the only reason why I love my brother so much. All right, let's keep going with the story. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the profile of this shit. So Elliot returns to Cleveland after a brief break, and he goes to the very discreet investigation of Dr. Sweeney, a.k.a. the coroner. He, the doctor had come from a very poor family, but he's like, mm, I got you, boo. And he was like, this other, sorry, let me read that. So profile, Ness and the coroner come up with this profile where he arranged a very discreet investigation of Dr. Sweeney, who was a doctor from a poor family, first cousin of the congressman Martin L. Sweeney, you know, money and power. I was going with Sweeney Todd there, but okay. I did too. Not determined yet. (laughs) Um, So the congressman was a very colorful, powerful politician from the local Democratic power party. So you know he's like if his cousin comes in for these murders, he's gonna be like, Yeah, bro, no. Bye bye bye. Bye. Bye bye bye. Yep. Um and Sweeney had 
Congressman Sweeney had always been an outspoken critic of Mayor Burton's Republican administration, who had supported Ness's cleanup of the city. Okay. So Ness is sitting there like, okay, carefulness is happening, and we're going to try to figure this out. Even though the public is like, we have to figure out who this is, who is the mad butcher of Kingsbury Run, Ness like personally is refusing to publicly engage himself in this case. He's privately very much dug his head up in that shit. Um, and he continues programs he had initiated initiated before, modernizing the police and the fire departments, cleaning up crime, basically trying to make it where they could catch him, mm-hmm. but not getting in it. Okay, they're trying to be removed from it. Got it. So think of like a police chief where they want to be involved, but they can't. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So he's like, I want to, you know, he's chomping at the bit to get deep, deep in these like files. But he's like, okay, I got to clean up the city. I got to get the mob gone. I got to do all this stuff. I mean, he's got a lot to do. (laughs) It's true. His his to-do list is quite long. It's very long. <laughs> like, he needs several post-its. He's got to move on from the post-its. So, because of this pressure and all the post-its, Ness <laughs> <Jess> brings, <laughs> brings in his chief suspect, the alcoholic, Dr. Frank Sweeney, as the chief suspect in a secret interrogation in a suite of the Cleveland Hotel in, the pu- in Public Square. Which, if you've never been to Cleveland, Public Square has like Tower City, which is a department store and all of this stuff around it. So there's a green space in the middle and uh, a bunch of buildings around it. So if you're bringing someone in there, they're going to fucking see. Someone's <laughs> going to see. It's, Let's just not lie. Someone's going to fucking see it. That's a little bit obvious. There are back doors, but still. Aren't there always? I wasn't there in the 1930s, but the back door is the main entrance of tower city and there's a bunch of like glass windows and all of this and i'm just like no 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 (laughs) everyone can see that coming and going like no no (laughs) at least one person will see it unless you do it at like 3 a.m that's not gonna happen no yeah (laughs) so lieutenant krells made it quite clear clear to Sweeney that if he did not cooperate, that his discreet interrogation would be brought down to the station with all, you know, the reporters, like the Cleveland Post, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and all of that, and his immediate family publicized. They're like, cooperate? Your family secrets are secret. Not cooperate? Your family secrets are public. So, they're like, we're gonna leave you three A's in this nice hotel, because... <laughs> Let's not lie, Tower City Hotels are very nice. And they get him sobered up, and he's interrogated by Elliot Ness, Dr. Royal Grossman, Lieutenant David Curls, and Dr. Leonard Keeler, who brought a polygraph to interrogate him. So the conditions are ripe for confession. You know, they're like, you're sober for the first time in a couple days. So if you're an alcoholic, you're like, give me that drink, baby, give me that drink. Um, 
and there's a polygraph, which I'm not a fan of polygraphs, but I'm like... There's been too many issues with polygraphs that I'm just like, eh. It's not admissible in court? That's very telling. Yeah. In the 30s, though, it's admissible in court. But if you're sobering out, you're going to tell people whatever the fuck you want to get that drink. I would agree with that, yeah. Even if you're not sobering out, sometimes you'll tell them whatever to get that drink. Exactly. So... They had to be very secretive because if his cousin, the congressman, Martin L. Sweeney, figured out he would tip off the press and be like, these people are like accusing my cousin of all this shit and he's innocent and all of that. So it didn't turn out well. But that is Sweeney and Ness's main, basically, subject who did the torso murders. But like Sweeney did the torso murders, but we can't convict him because of his cousin. Yeah, I know. This is a big part of Ness's life where he can't solve it. I get that. I get that Mm -hmm. completely. There's too much pressure from the outside. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So you feel bad for Ness. And he knew that this was the problem because he came in and, like, he admitted it was faulty and all of this. So he's like, you know what? I can't solve this murder, but let's figure out how we can preemptively solve this. So he puts in procedures that would make any new police officer okay. He started the academy. He made them take the revised civil service test, which was a little more difficult. Mm. He insisted on character investigations and fingerprinting, which if you've listened to the Werewolf of Russia episode, you know fingerprinting police officers can be fucking helpful. I mean, I don't, but Strong I fully opinions, but... I fully agree with what you said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, go back and listen to that shit. <laughs> that was funny. He made, a, he made cadets have a mandatory two-year probation so like you get indoctrinated by good police officers and yeah. tested their temperament as well as their physical prowess. So your mental acuity as well as how physically fit you are. All good things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know what? If I'm going to demand this of my officers, I'm going to fucking do it as well. And I was like, fuck yeah. I mean, if I were him, I wouldn't have done that, but I respect it. How do you not respect someone who's like, I'm going to make you run this course, but I'm going to run it as well. Let's go. As someone who hates running. So in 1936, sorry. 1938, the police department is like, yeah, let's go. They had fixed the state penitentiary and crime is dropping. Ness had been offered several times his annual employment up to $9,000 a year in 19, like, depressionary money to go into private practice. Quote, someday I may take one of those jobs right now. I want to prove what an honest police force with intelligent and civic pride can do, end quote. So he's like, you know what? I could take this money, but I want to prove. But I can make a better situation and not I mean, take the money. Yeah. I love that so much. You want to hope. That's the officer you want to hope for. You're like, you could be throwing private money. Yes. You're like, make it rain. And you're just like, but the public good. I want the public good. It's a greater good. Um, so he swapped po- uh, motorcycles for traffic control because it's easier, you know, on a fucking motorcycle <laughs> to track cars. <laughs> he also modernized uh, the mounted forces, which, 
Ohio has mounted horses in Clevelanders. Um, <laughs> I've seen both. <laughs> the police officer and the horses are real. They really do exist south of Canada. <laughs> they cross the Great Lakes to Cincinnati and Columbus. Or, sorry, Cincinnati and Cleveland. They are real. <laughs> I'm okay in Cleveland. I have someone I can call. <laughs> Cincinnati, not as much. Um, he improved the EMS units, trying to improve their response time and getting them the American Legion's National Award in 1939. And he's basically improved the efficiency of police and fire. He also uh, centralized and put in the two-way radio. So you're welcome. (laughs) You are welcome. (laughs) You can talk and listen at the same time. (laughs) World. In 1939, Ness had fallen in love and he was ready to marry again. Because, you know, gentlemen. You know, as one does during that era, you remarry occasionally. (laughs) He married Eveline McAndrews in October 1939. She was a popular socialite in Cleveland. She had a career as a fashion artist. And they moved into the boathouse in Clifton Lagoons by the Stouffer's house, or Stouffer Brothers. Oh. As someone who's lived in Cleveland for so long, I have no fucking clue where the Clifton Lagoons is. And I was kind of, like, pissed about that. (laughs) Where where are the lagoons at (laughs) in Cleveland? So... Ness's wife began illustrating and authoring children's books, and she got very popular for this. In 1967, she earned the Randolph Caldot Medal for the most distinguished American picture book for Sam Bangs and Moonshine. I've never read it. Have you? No. No. What? What's I, the premise of the story of this? I like the moonshine aspect. Moonshine, yes. I was into that. I don't know, but... Please, if you've read it, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had enough wine or bourbon at this point that we don't care. Evelyn had developed her own career and friends without her husband's work. So she was like, I'm cool, you know, you go work, I go work. But eventually, his hours broke them up because they worked. A, he worked a shit ton. And she was like, you know, I make children's books. And I would like to see you eventually. (laughs) In order to have a relationship, you know. So in the first four years of Ness's career in Cleveland, we're referred to as the Burton-Ness regime. And this is because of his relationship with Mayor Burton. In 1939, Burton was returned to the office of mayor. Ness had neither ousted or jailed any of the big-time racketeers, and then in the two years afterwards, he cut down crime. He was recognized for the veterans of foreign wars. Yes, girl. There you go. (laughs) Medal for outstanding (laughs) citizens of Cuyahoga County in 1940. That was impressive. Because he was uncorruptible, which I'm like, give me pizza and some sort of dark liquor or beer. Yeah. And I'll be corruptible. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Award. As would we. <laughs> yes. He demanded honesty for anyone who served him as well. But that same year, he lost Mayor Burton, his beloved mayor, oh. to the U.S. sentence. Burton became eventually the U- U.S. Supreme Court Justice. So he's like, Bye, Ness. 
I'm gonna be on the Supreme Court. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, everyone missed. There was a beautiful dance done. I'm so sorry, I had to say that. (laughs) Ness remains at the the Cleveland safety director. Which, when you think about Cleveland, you're like, yes, please stay. We have a lot of problems. You can't tell me we don't have a lot of problems. <laughs> I mean, based on what we've heard this evening, yes, yes. So, on top of that, he agreed to a part-time position as a consultant to the Federal Social Protection Program. So he's like, I'm going to go off, hang out with these peeps, as well as keep your city safe. And Cleveland's like, nah, bro. Nah, bitch. Cleveland has a lot of problems that we can't have you being distracted. (laughs) So in April 1942, Ness is like, I'm good with uh, safety director. I'm going to become national director for the federal protection program. (laughs) But, you know, World War II ends in 1945 and he becomes the chairman of the board of for Diebold Safety and Lock Company in Canton, Ohio. Oh. You know where the net, uh, the NFL Hall of Fame is? That's in Canton. Sure. So Ness then forms an import-export business with his friend Dan Tyler Moore Jr., which sounds like a scam. The former director of the Securities and Exchange Commission also sounds like a scam. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He almost paralleled the travels of his wife because Evelyn was traveling around Washington, New York and all that with book publishers. They're trying to get that book deal. (laughs) That book deal. And his second wife and him divorced in November 1945 because, you know, you had to move around a lot. You can't spend time with your wife getting that shit. Uh, (laughs) True. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I'm not married, so I can't justify this, but I'm going to as the only married person here, I'll justify it. It's fine. My husband's yeah. not in the room. It's totally fine. Usually <laughs> he is, and I have to say this shit in front of him. It's fine. But, you know, Ness is not to be a lonely boy, a.k.a. gossip girl. <laughs> um, he found another woman in the friend of Evelyn's friends from her days at the Cleveland Institute of Art, a.k.a. CIA. And he marries Elizabeth Anderson Seaver in 1946. She had been a popular artist of the Cohen Poverty Pottery Studios, which had clo- closed in 1933 because, you know, the Depression. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, she was also Norwegian of ancestry when she married Ness. He was 44 years old and he's like, I would like a child, ma'am. I mean, and that's like, what they did back then. Yep. Yeah. Adds up. I would like to. You're like, I would like to reproduce my life. She's like, why don't we adopt that shit? Like, do I have to? <laughs> do I have to pop that shit up? So she's like, hey, here's Ashtabula. Let's go to Ashtabula, aka if you're in Ohio, <laughs> the most rural county of our state. <laughs> the fact that you, the pride in your voice as you just said that <laughs> was beautiful. Um, so they adopted Robert as he was a toddler of three years old from an orphanage near Ashtabula, Ohio. I'm, ca- I'm talking about the county, not the, the actual city. 
1947, Ness was like, I'm going to be a mayor of Cleveland running against the incumbent Thomas Burke, not like Edmund Burke of the England fame. So he, uh, you know, lost. (laughs) Oh, that's I don't know why I thought that was funny. That's sad. He moves in 1955 to the Cleveland-based North Ridge Industrial Corporation, a company, quote, marketing a promising method of watermarking commercial and personal checks to prevent forgery, end quote. That didn't go well. (laughs) But he moves with his wife and son to Coldsport, Pennsylvania, six hours east of Cleveland, and manages Guarantee Paper and Fidelity Company. He continues on until 1957 in May when he dies of a heart attack in his home in Cosport. Oh. His estate showed over $8,000 in debt. So, I mean, comparatively speaking, that's not terrible, but that's not good. It's still a lot of money. Eight, Yeah, 8K is, yeah. His uh, wife sold his story... And it would lead to Robert Stack, a.k.a. Unsolved Mysteries <gasps> fame. I thought I recognized that Starring name when you said lead. it. I hit that lead. I'm that sorry. was beautifully you, done. You buried it. Buried beautifully it. done, buried though. It. it was a little surprise there. I loved it. So Elizabeth could only afford to have him cremated and brought back to Cleveland, as all of us hope to be. I was going to say, isn't that the dream? <laughs> My sister wants a Viking funeral, so yes. To be set out on the lake. Just... Can we just appreciate how much better a Viking <sighs> funeral would be when <sighs> you end in Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> like game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they were kept at the Church of the Covenant on Euclid Avenue, and then... They were kept by his son, Robert, when he was only 10 years old. So his adopted son, Elizabeth, died in 1977 after suffering from cancer of the throat. Mm. She must have not gone to Cleveland Clinic for several years. She had lived in San Juan, Caspino, California with her cousin when she passed away. Robert Ness passed away a year sooner, 19... Uh, 76 of leukemia so a year before his mother he was 29 years old and left his widow both elizabeth robert mixed their ashes with those of elliot which were kept by his wife in 1988 when they were united in the formal funeral cemetery all three were dispersed in lake wade in the lakeview cemetery on the east side of cleveland and this was held in 1997 with hundreds of people and international media. So even though Elliot died as said unknown, because until Untouchables came out, he was still very much yeah. that private person. Elliot Ness helped take down the mob, helped clean up Cleveland, helped try to find out who the torso murderer was. Wow. We have so many things to thank him for. I'm just appreciative. Yeah. He leaves a very big legacy. And if I can make a joke, <laughs> as we are appreciating him, it's no small man who can be played by one Kevin Cosner, in my God. humble opinion. <laughs> Thank I, you, Cassie. I love Kevin Cosner so much. I love him. <laughs> I would say take this minute. Go appreciate Robert Stacks playing Ness. Go take that moment to appreciate Kevin Cosner and Misha Collins playing Elliot Ness. Ooh, would 
just absorb the knowledge. When did Misha Collins play Elliot Ness? What was that? Timeless. That show I refused to watch because of their history. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, do you guys want to butt plug this shit up? Absolutely. Um... I just want to say I didn't know anything about that, and that was amazing <laughs> for the record. Please, I'm just going to say, please go get the Elliot Amber Lager from Great Lakes Brewery. Yes. And please try to get them to sponsor me because <laughs> I would like free beer. <laughs> respect the shit out of that so much. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I respect all the shit out of free beer. Yes. Also, like, cool badass beer. Mm-hmm. So sorry, guys. There has been alcohol had tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's <laughs> bottles of alcohol had tonight. We have the the clanking that our trash bags will make tomorrow is embarrassing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Guys, we are Wine and Punishment. You can find us on Twitter, Wine Punish Pod. <laughs> we also have a Gmail account, <laughs> wineandpunishmentpod at gmail.com. Usually I have this written down and I don't have to do it off of memory. Instagram is wine and punishment pod. We're also on Facebook. You can find us there too. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all the places. Find us there as well. Totally. And thank you, Courtney, so yes. much. This has been, oh my God, such a blast. And witnessing your dancing has been a delight <laughs> it really has been <laughs> oh i'm so sorry you had to witness my no dancing. don't apologize it made it made <laughs> our whole night <laughs> check out the cult of domesticity next week okay bye bye sorry Okay, Amy, tell us what the podcast is about. True Crime Recaps Promo Take One. It's a conversation about crime, just catching you up on what happened. Like if you're on the phone with a friend who swears a lot, it's like the Cliff Notes of murder. Cut. Cliff Notes doesn't want any part of your murder conversation. True Crime Recaps Promo Take Two. Um, True Crime Recaps, it's the most fun you can have talking about murder. No. Episodes are less than 30 minutes. It's bite-sized chunks of true crime. Gross. I like my true crime the way I like real life, fast and funny. Say your name. I'm your host, Amy Townsend. Wrap it up. True Crime Recaps, it's the fastest way to get your true crime fix, but, you know, upbeat. New episodes released weekly. Subscribe to True Crime Recaps wherever you get your podcasts or visit truecrimerecaps.com. Thank you. of domesticity we're available on all podcatchers remember to rate review subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it our facebook and twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free